are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. Uh, my name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt. How you doing, Matt? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, at the holidays, just having Christmas yeah. this week and then coming up on New Year's. Uh, sorry that we didn't have an episode last week. We were both kind of busy just kind of prepping for the holidays. And I have some housework going on here, so it was kind of loud and wouldn't have been made for a good podcast <laughs> on my probably, side, at least. Probably so. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope uh, hope you had a Merry Christmas and um, can't wait to get this year over with, I'm telling you. Yeah, and hopefully. And hopefully 2020 does not transfer into 2021 because – you're right about I'm that. Over, I'm over about this year because just, you know, kind of breaking into our first part of the news, another, you know, tragic day for uh, Major League Baseball is that we had our seventh Hall of Famer pass away. Um, actually, we learned about it this morning, um, and that is Phil Negro at the age of 81 after battling cancer. Um, an absolute legend in the game. He's best known for, you know, being a knuckleball pitcher. Um, his nickname was Nuxy. Um Played for a total of 24 seasons, uh, mostly with your Atlanta Braves, Matt. So, what what did you uh, you know about Phil Necro? Yeah, um, of course, Phil Necro played. Um, I think he retired in 1987. So, you know, it's a long time before before me. But um, you know, my family is from around around here, and I live in Alabama, of course. And they all grew up Braves fans, and uh, you know, they've talked about how much they love watching Phil Necro pitch, and uh, you know, he was the he was the highlight for a lot of average Braves teams from for uh, for all those years. And, um, you know, it's sad. Um, he's 81 years old. He passed away of cancer, ha- just had crazy accolades and, and some of the most uh, unique things that we've seen from from a pitcher in the last in the modern era. Um, he was uh, inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1997, of course, um, as, as you said, he was the seventh hall of famer to pass away this year um he was with the braves for 20 years uh starting his rookie year in 1964 and um going through the 1983 season he came back and pitched uh one final game for the braves in 1987 uh when he retired but um best known for that um 300 game winner and a 3,000 strikeout club member um had a career 335 era five-time all-star but i and i think the most impressive thing you know is the 245 complete games he threw which hasn't something that hasn't been done you know even at that time when there were more complete games than there are now um you know since the early days of baseball and you know just sitting here thinking 245 complete games you you rarely see a pitcher throw more than one or two in a season these days and um the craziest thing too, the he had 23 complete games at the age of 40. So you think most pitchers are retiring by the age of 40 nowadays, and he had 23 complete games at the age of 40 and led the and led the uh, the majors in innings pitched. So um, you know, I hope um, you know prayers for his family, of course, and um, you know, it, it sucks to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he had that three-year stretch um, from 77, 78, and 79. Um, with 79 being that age 40 season you were talking about, that he threw 22 complete games, 20 or 20, 22, and then 23 complete games, led the majors in those three years in innings pitched. With which nowadays you got you could think of 
you know, we hear about the guys who are able to go 200 innings, and if 200 innings pitched, that's a big accomplishment nowadays, and it's looking looked at as like a, you know, a bar that you want your top guys to be able to reach. Um, and <laughs> he pitched uh, the low of those three years was 330 innings. So you just think about that. At the age of 40, he threw 342 innings. Um, that's just absolutely astonishing. Yeah, you know, he pitched through age 48, really. Yeah, and to add to that, you know, one more point is a lot of people will talk about how the fact that he's a knuckleballer helped him do that. And while, of course, that's true, I mean, you still don't see knuckleballers able to throw 330 innings these days. I mean, you look at like R.A. Dickey a few years ago, you know, when he was when he won the Cy Young. I mean, it there obviously he was able to do it, you know, at age 40, like like Phil Negro. But um, the fact that you know 330 innings is just a crazy number i mean there people talk about nowadays when you have a pitcher throw 230 innings how it's going to affect them for the next two years how they've thrown too much i mean and you know obviously it didn't affect phil negro too much so yeah um, i mean you look, you look yeah. at that year where where ari dickey did win that Cy Young. he only pitched 233 innings so i mean we're start we're still talking about a oh yeah exactly on top of that um so it's just an absolute – he was an absolute stud on the mound. Um, Absolutely. And it's a very tragic, you know, even at the age of 81, still gone too soon um, in this horrible, horrible year that we've had. Yep. Um, but jumping on to our next little piece of news, um, you know, it's been a really slow week um, after the winter meetings this past couple of weeks, really. Um, but this one little trade that we had to happen was uh, the first baseman, Josh Bell from the Pittsburgh Pirates, got traded to the uh, Washington Nationals. Or two pitching prospects by the name of Will Crow and Eddie Yeen. Um, you know, Josh Bell had a fantastic beginning half or first half of the 2019 season. Um, was an all-star. I believe he was an all-star that year, wasn't he? Um, I'm not 100% sure he if he was an all-star. Been. Might not have been. Um, but he had all-star stats the first half of that year. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then, you know, since then he's kind of tailed off. And he's just been – and average major league hitter um his power really went down that you know after that uh, half the season his defense is really really bad um he you know he's the guy that very much needs the dh um in the national league uh this year you know and even was the shortened season of 57 games his strikeout rate really jumped i mean it was 26 and a half percent and his walk rate plummeted to under 10 percent um so this is a guy who you know Really, really struggled this last year, so maybe the move to Washington helps him out a little bit. Maybe getting on a team that might win a little bit more than the Pirates will. But I mean, they didn't really give up too much with these two prospects. Um, yeah, I mean, Josh Bell to to, to you know continue what you were saying on him. Um, he, I looked up, he was an All Star in 2019. He actually was. He hit over 300 and had 27 home runs in the first half of 2019. In the second half, he hit 233 with 10 home runs. So, um, you know, he was he had he's had one in his career. He's obviously for that season. You look at his 2019. He had a 277 average, 367 on base, 469 slugging, and 2.5 wins above replacement for the season. That led to a 135 WRC plus. 37 home runs for the season. He had a really good season as a whole, um, even if it was, you know, propped up by a, a really good first half. But, I mean, like you said, this year, minus .4 wins above replacement. I mean, he's not, you know, 
a career 3.5 wins of a replacement player. I, I mean, he's a guy who, and, and that's in like five or six years in the big leagues. I mean, he, I think it might be a little bit of a, Hey, we're going to go ahead and get this guy. And, you know, maybe when the DH comes in, he, he would be a good for that role. Um, but, um, you look at the prospects that came over a couple of decent prospects. Um, the, um, Eddie Yeen, uh, seventh ranked prospect now with the pirates. Um, he's, a you know, a kind of a mid rotation projection arm, um, pretty good all above average for three pitches, fastball slider change up, um, decent command, you know, future looking at, he's a low minors guy. I think you said he was 19, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just 19 years old. I mean, you never know how one of those arms might turn out. And Will Crow, um, he's a little bit more. Um, he's been around a little bit longer. He uh, he's actually going to be the fourth, uh, the number four prospect for the Pirates. Um, he pitched in 2019, uh, 95 innings in Double A with a 3.87 ERA, and his his peripheral numbers actually were a little bit better than that. And he rose up prospect boards. He was a second round pick out of South Carolina, I believe, in 2017. So he's got a pretty good prospect pedigree. He has struggled in Triple A after a, a call up in, in 2019, and then he had a very very brief cup of coffee in the big leagues this year, uh, where he you know didn't really pitch all that well. But you know the Nationals brought up a lot of guys this year in their rotation because of injuries that were you know, not really ready for it. So, and I believe Will Crow was one of them. Um, so we'll see. He might end up, uh, you know, he might end up panning out. He's kind of similar, kind of a mid-rotation projection, um, you know, kind of all above average pitches, probably 55 grade pitches across the board. I think he has four pitches and um, decent command projection. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Uh, but I think it's a good trade for the Pirates. They got two legit prospects back for a guy who is kind of a um, hit or miss player that, you know, if he has a really good season, you know, he's a, a decent regular, but, you know, with his defense and everything, I don't know if he's a long-term solution for the Pirates. So, Well, yeah, and you, you kind of capitalize on, you know, before his – if he has another bad season this next year, then his value is just going to tank even more. Absolutely. And maybe some guys are looking like he could be – you know, bad, bad, you know, 2019 kind of half the year, maybe slowing down a little bit, a little bit of fatigue. And then 2020, you can just put up as the COVID year and, and all this stuff. So, and, you know, with Josh Bell, I mean, you look at it, he's already 28. Is he really going to be there in his prime when the Pirates are ready to complete or to compete next time? Um, you know, when you get two young pitchers where Will Crow is 26. He could still be, you know, solid at the time you're trying to get the turnaround. And then Eddie Yane is going to be like one of your young guys during the beginning of that kind of turnaround uh, period. Cause he's yeah, for sure. Being 19. So this is Ben Charrington. I mean, this is a, a solid trade. Uh, yeah. And you have to remember um, Josh Bell is a free agent in 2023. So he's got two years of control left. So it's not a yeah. one year, a one year thing. So. Yeah, overall, solid trade. Um, uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how – I mean, neither of these teams we plan on really being competitors this next season. So yeah. just kind of a, a think, kind of minor – Yeah, trade. I think the Nationals want to be, but I don't know if they're going to be able to do that because right. uh, NL East is really good and, you know, yeah. they just – they have a lot of holes. So. Yep, so our next one is um, 28-year-old Kohei Arahara. Uh, we talked about him before. He was posted from Japan, um, and those postings have 30-day limits. Um, so his limit was actually, I believe, 
the day after Christmas. I believe it was yesterday as we're recording this. But he ended up signing a two-year deal with the Texas Rangers for $6.2 million. Um, it was the Texas Rangers, the Boston Red Sox, and I believe the San Diego Padres were the last three teams in on him. Um, you know, he's 28 from uh, Hiroshima, Japan. Throws seven pitches. He has a four-seam, a two-seam, a splitter, a slider, a cutter, a changeup, and a curveball that he all throws regularly for strikes. Um, he's been – he can touch up to 95, um, and he, he's got comped to Kyle Hendricks and uh, Kenta Maeda as far as their command-wise. Uh, very solid uh, and able to hit his, hit his uh, spot very routinely. Um, John Daniels, who's the Texas baseball player uh, – or baseball operations president said that he looks at them as a young durable starting pitcher um you know that there is the seven strikes and that there's additional opportunities for him to continue to improve and what stood out was that arhara was really uh, curious on how this team was going to be able to help him develop all seven pitches and how he can develop more as a pitcher um and to be able to go longer into games is something that he's not really done you know much of whereas as far as major league standards wise in 2020 he had 132 innings which was second in japan three complete games which was first and he had a 346 era um and like we've said you know japan is it's kind of like the triple a um you know right in between the triple a and major leagues um so to those stats i mean he he profiles as a you know three or four middle to back of the rotation starter on a on a solid team but for the rangers who we talked about in that rebuild process trading lance lynn He's going to be one of their aces or one of their, you know, top of the rotation starters. So nice, solid pickup. It's a guy who's very durable, um, not too much money, very cheap. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he transitions over. Yeah, I agree with you uh, 100%. He seems to me like a guy who maybe, you know, it's hard to call him, but he seems like, he seems like your typical, you know, come over from Japan pitcher, kind of like uh, your, um, you know, your Yu Darvish or Kenta Maeda or uh, – Masahiro Tanaka, not that not that he's as good as those guys, but he's a similar style of pitcher. He throws decently hard, maybe not, you know, maybe not throwing upper 90s, but he, you know, he's in the low to mid 90s and, you know, throws a lot of pitches. And uh, that's kind of the big thing that you see from a lot of those guys coming over from Japan, throwing the, you know, throwing four, five, six, seven pitches, you know, instead of just throwing perfecting three, they, they can kind of do a little bit of everything. So um, I like the move for the Rangers, of course. I mean, if he, if he, if you're not putting up a long-term financial commitment and you get a guy who has some potential that, you know, maybe you can hit on, hit on something, then, I mean, if you're a rebuilding team, go for it. I think that's exactly what the, what the Rangers have done here. So I like it. Absolutely. Um, so our next move we had happen was that the Dodgers signed relief pitcher Tommy Canely to a two-year, $5.25 million deal. A um, little interesting thing that they did, I had never seen this, I just popped it out to Matt, um, was that the signing bonus is for I think 550000 but instead of doing it as in one full bulk, 550000 they broke it up to 275 each year. It's a little nugget I've never seen on a contract before, so that's pretty interesting. But uh, Kainley is rehabbing for Tommy John. He underwent Tommy John in August, um, so he's most likely to not pitch at all this year, um, which shows that he's going to get 750000 this year. And he's uh, supposed to get three hundred and forty-five or $3.45 million in uh, 2022. 
Yeah, I mean, Tommy Canley's a really good pitcher. A um, little bit inconsistent in the big leagues, but when he's on, he's on. Um, 2019, he was a, a pretty elite. Uh, a 1291 strikeout per nine rate and a 293 walks per nine rate. Pretty elite uh, numbers there. He did have a 367 ERA, but um, the the one of the ERA predictors, XFIP, uh, predicted a 269 ERA based on uh, the fact that he gave up a lot of home runs in Yankee Stadium that were probably – he had a high home run per fly ball rate, which is kind of unlucky. And Yankee Stadium probably had something to do with that. So if he goes to L.A., you know, you would think that that home run per fly ball rate might drop a little bit, get him down to, you know, closer to what his ex-fit number was. Um, so, I mean, you like uh, you like Tommy Canely. Um, you know, he's a good pitcher, and, you know, that's a good deal for the Dodgers, assuming that he comes back healthy from Tommy John. And even if he doesn't, I mean, it's to the Dodgers, $5 million over two years is nothing. So, not at all. Um, you know, I think it's a perfectly fine deal. Um, and, um, I mean, Tommy Canley's a guy who, you know, when he comes back, maybe he, you know, finds his form from last year and from his first year, uh, his last year with the with the White Sox and when he was traded to the Yankees that, that year, 2017, I believe it was. Um, his command can get off for long stretches of time every now and then and lead to a stretch where he just is completely useless for like a couple months. But, um, you know, when he's on, like I say, he's a good pitcher. So good for the Dodgers on making that signing. Yeah, he's a fastball changeup guy, um, which kind of – he. A little interesting thing, he kind of really comps to what Pedro Baez was for the Dodgers. Yeah, um, maybe a little bit. And Baez is a free agent. You know, obviously we say Canley's not going to pitch this year, but maybe yeah. you know Canley kind of fills in what Baez was yeah. if they don't I, bring him back. Yeah, and I think I think Baez was, was a little bit more consistent than Canley, but Canley's got a little bit higher upside. So, yeah. uh, but they are similar, and I think you'll see them pitch. Uh, they'll be used, and Canley will be used in a similar way to how Baez was used. Right. Um, so just one little nugget that we want to say to look out for is that um, I believe he's from Japan as well. Or no, he's from Korea. Um, and that is Ha Sung Kim. I'm, I'm totally butchering that, so I'm sorry about that. Um, but his signing deadline, as he was posted, his deadline is January 1st. Um, so within this next week, he will uh, be picking his team on where he's going to sign. Uh, he's already received multiple five years offers um, from which teams we don't know, but the teams that we do know that are in on him right now are the New York Mets, the St. Louis Cardinals, um, the Boston Red Sox, the San Diego Padres, the Toronto Blue Jays, and the Texas Rangers. Um, he's a guy who's going to be, you know, he, he profiles to be a really good um, shortstop slash third base over here, but we'll talk more about him next week. Uh, just a thing that to kind of look out for during this week um, before our episode. Um, and we and just a heads up to you guys as well. We're gonna be transitioning our episodes to Tuesdays, um, Tuesday nights. So we will also be repeating that on all our social medias and everything. But just had me thinking about it right now because yeah, our episode's not gonna be on Sunday um, this next week. So, but anyways, so now that I jabbered on and all of that information randomly <laughs> in the middle of the episode, um, <laughs> let's go to our um, NL Central division breakdown. Um, this is probably one of the most interesting divisions in baseball because you can look at it and say none of these teams are very good at all, but yet they had four out of the five were in the playoffs this year, um, with it being expanded playoffs, obviously, but still, um, you know, two of these 
you know, two of the teams finished under 500, two were close to 500, and then the division winners, the Cubs, were, you know, I think what they were, four games or five games over 500. They were they ended up eight games over, but games over. but yeah, they shouldn't have been. They yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> they were not very good. All the predictors say they should not have been even that good. Yeah, but, I know the I know the Marlins were pretty good last year. You know, for their standards, they've set the last several years, but they lost to the Marlins in the playoffs. I mean, it, it's yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, when when you look at it, we can dive into it. When you look at the NL Central, I mean, you can look at it on paper and just do this. Yeah, just throw you it in the garbage. Crumple it up, throw it away. I mean, it's one of those deals where, you know there's five teams here and, and with the exception of the pirates who are in an obvious rebuild situation, you know, the other four are in real similar situations. I mean, they all have gaping holes in their rosters, but they have enough talent to where you think, well, you know, maybe they should go for it. So, um, it's, this is an interesting division and, you know, I, I have no idea what to expect from it this year. Yeah, we're going to try to figure it out right now. We're going to try. <laughs> Our division winners were the Chicago Cubs. They went 34-26 and 26 this year. Um, you know, they did lose some some very big pieces. They non-tendered Kyle Schwarber. Um, they're losing John Lester, Albert Almora, who have been, you know, core pieces for them and parts of championship rosters. Andrew Chafin, Tyler Chatwood, um, who have just, you know, came around this past couple years. Jose Quintana was, you know, one of those was the big piece in that Eloy Jimenez trade. Um, and, you know, another big one, it's not a player-wise, but they did lose Theo Epstein. So that that's kind of a changing of the guard um, there. Yeah, and, you know, th- those losses, I mean, Schwarber, you're going to look straight up at his production. He's been a really good player. We talked about him a lot when he was non-tendered. Um, and he's, you know, he's definitely going to get signed to a, you know, pretty nice contract by another team. And I was really surprised the Cubs non-tendered him. But, I mean, you look at some of these guys and you think that it actually helps the Cubs, you know, freeing up some money. Maybe Lester was starting to drop, although Lester was obviously a great signing for them, helped them win the World Series. He was starting to tail off near the end of his career. So, you know, that freed up some money that was probably uh, maybe at this point in his career overpaying for Lester. And then you look at Chatwood, who – was a disaster of a signing before they signed him, which and I never understood paying $13 million a year to Tyler Chatwood, who led the league in walks like three years in a row or something. So that was really a dumb signing by, uh, by Theo. Theo Epstein down the stretch made some pretty not great moves. I mean, the Quintana trade was pretty bad too. I mean, you look at Eloy Jimenez is one of the key pieces, the young White Sox plus, Dylan Cease was in that trade too, who is a pretty good, uh, pretty good prospect for them. That's made it to the big leagues this year. So, um, but you know, these are all things that have happened in the past. So you just look at this and look at guys they lost, and um, you know, I really think the only one that hurts them a ton loss-wise is Schwarber. So. Yeah, Schwarber's the big loss. I mean, Lester, it's more of a you know he's still solid. He has the respect, but I think more of a clubhouse type. Yeah. Player. Um, they were paying him a lot of money to be a clubhouse and no yeah i mean yeah, when, when I mean, he signed that contract though it was it i mean it's absolutely deserved it he's in the tail end um, yeah this happened all the time in big free agent contracts the guy gets signed at the time and you know you're gonna regret the last year or two of that deal um but even in the in the community in the city of chicago he still does stuff 
routinely I'm seeing the Cubs post things about it. So I wouldn't be too particularly shocked to see John Lester go back. Um, but speaking of, of just, you know, kind of what their core is now, you know, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, um, those guys have been, you know, their main core for the time when they were winning the World Series. All of these guys are free agents this next upcoming season. Um, yeah. Kyle Hendricks, who's a core piece of them. You Darvish, who, you know, he's had a resurgence these past couple years, um, but he's also 34. Uh, you have William uh, Wilson Contreras. William Contreras, I'm almost going to say the, uh, the Braves catcher. <laughs> uh, but no, Wilson Contreras, but, uh, you know, who's also uh, another solid piece for them. Who he's been mentioned in trade rumors as well. Yeah, and I think I think Wilson Contreras is a free agent, not not this coming up off season, but the year after. So I think he's got two years left of control. See, he, he came up the year after Bryant and, and uh, yeah. I guess Baez too. But yeah, so he, um, you know, he'll be he he'll be on they'll be on the lookout for him, you know, somewhat soon. Well, what do you have for their uh, their team needs? Yeah, um, well, there's there's two different ways you can look at it. If, if the Cubs, they're at a crossroads. Like you said, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, free agents at the end of this year. Um, you you look at you know if they're going to go for it one more time with this current core, and and also Darvish and Hendricks being pretty big pieces for them too. You look at it, and it, you know if they're going to go for it, they they have a black hole at second base, and it has been for a while. I mean, ever since Ben Zobris left, I mean it's. You know, they they had like Daniel Descalso played there a while. Kipnis played there a while. They, they thought they might have an answer in Nico Horner, you know, coming up as a rookie. But he seems like he's still, you know, trying to figure it out. So um, they need a second baseman and then they need an outfielder. Um, they need to replace Kyle Schwarber. And, you know, Al Mora played a lot last year. So they got Hayward out there. And, uh, I mean, preferably you'd want a center fielder because, you know, I think they've been playing Ian Happ in center field most of the time, but he's, I mean, he's not, he would be better suited for a corner. We'll put it that way. So, um, you know, the Cubs maybe look at a, you know, if they got a, if they want to spend a lot of money, they, they freed up a lot of money in the off season. So maybe look at George Springer or DJ LeMayhew to figure out the second base or outfield. Um, but you know, there's also the, the bullpen last year was completely horrendous i mean it was one of the worst bullpens in baseball and they lost their best bullpen arm at jeremy jeffress so i mean they have literally uh, except for a couple guys who have the potential to, to pitch out of the pen this coming up year um you know they don't really have that much there so um they got a lot of holes to fill but you know if you're the cubs and you look at the future you're going to if you're going to stick with a Rizzo, Brian, or Baez, you're going to want to extend one of them this offseason. I mean, you need to because um, they're all free agents. And, you know, when it comes down to free agency, it's going to be hard to bring them back. Um, and I think the Cubs probably will extend Rizzo at some point because he's, you know, one of their cornerstones even before all these other guys got there. But we'll see. Um but if you're not going to go for it this year and you're worried about those impending free agents, then you need to trade a couple of them because you don't want to get stuck in a situation where you've got all your key players that could get you, that could really help you kick off a rebuild, just, you know, walk for nothing after this season. So um, you need to, you know, maybe extend one, trade one and hold on to one. I, I mean, it's kind of what I'm thinking. And not only to mention the fact that, you know, Contreras and Hap aren't too far off from uh, from free agency as well. They're a couple years away. So, um, you know, maybe extend one of those guys as well. And then um, 
but you know it's it's a crossroads. The Cubs are looking to me a little bit like the end of the Royals run, where mm-hmm. you know if they're going to go for it, they need to go for it. They need to go get DJ LeMahieu and say screw it, we're going to do it one more time. We've got a team that just has a couple holes that we could win the World Series this year if we fill these couple holes. But if you're not, then you just blow it up now. You can't just stand pat. If you stand pat and you're the Cubs, then you're just going to lose your key players and they're going to walk and you're going to be stuck with nothing left. So, Right, which um, I think that's why you've heard Chris Bryant's name really come up in trade rumors. Um, I think he's the least likely to probably be extended um, from that core. I, I think Rizzo, like you said, he's a little bit older than these guys, but he's also you know kind of that that core core piece for that not only that that team but that city um and that fan base they they really look at rizzo as the leader of this team um you know and then Baez is he's he's up and down but i i just think that bryant is the guy that's most likely to be traded from yeah. that um but but like you said they they just need to figure out what they're going to do in the future yeah. are you going to go he... for it or are you going to you going to blow it up yeah, and if you look at Rizzo too, he's a guy that you know with his batted ball profile and everything, he should age fairly well. You know, coming up into his upper thirties, so I, I think he could pro- he'll, he will probably be somebody that if you sign him to a decent contract, not anything huge, but you know he's, he's going to require some money. He's Anthony Rizzo. Um, that I don't think you'll regret it too, too much. I think he's probably the safest bet to get an extension here. But like you said, Baez is definitely not a guy who's going to age well with his skill set. And uh, Bryant, you know, he's been injured so much. You don't know. That's a, that's a lot of risk involved in giving him a long-term extension. Plus, you have the history of the, you know, him, you know, filing a grievance from the Cubs because of the service time manipulation, all that stuff. So, um, I don't know if he's going to be – I don't know if he would even want to come back. But um, then, um, you know, you got other guys too. Like like you mentioned before the show, Darvish is 35. I had no idea you Darvish was 35 years old. And I mean, how how much longer he he's got a pretty long injury history? How much longer is he going to be an effective pitcher? Because he's obviously great this year, but you know, is he going to be an effective pitcher for two or three more years? Or you know, I I have to think he probably will be this coming up year. But you know, he's going to probably tell off at some point, not too far off from now. So um, we'll see what happens there. Well, our next um, – the team that finished second in this division was the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, they went 30-28. and 28. They're losing a couple uh, franchise cornerstones um, this offseason. So far, the way it looks, you know, with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina both being free agents and both not really being too happy with what the Cardinals have had to offer them um, on the market. Uh, you know, they're also losing Colton Wong, uh, Matt Weeders, who's been a backup catcher for them the past couple years, uh, John Brevia, and Brad Miller. Um, you know, what what do you think about them potentially losing Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina? Yeah, I mean, it's a situation where I don't think it's going to hurt him too much to lose Adam Wainwright because he's at the end of his career. And, you know, I, th- I could also see him coming back on a one-year deal, you know, they find at the end of them, at the end of the offseason. He might also retire. Uh, he was pretty great in the TV booth last year in the playoffs. So he might, I could see him maybe even retiring, but... I mean, it, you look, Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, I don't think they've been – they're obviously franchise cornerstones, like you said, but they haven't been effective as franchise cornerstones for the last few years. They're at the back end of their careers. So um, both great players, but you know, I don't know how much losing them hurts other than the fact that they need a new catcher. Um, 
you know, Colton Wong, I think hurts pretty bad. I mean, I don't know why they non or they, they declined his option and I don't really understand that too well because he was, you know, he's broken out as a gold glove level second baseman who has times have shown that maybe the bats coming around a little bit, you know, especially against right-handed pitching. He's been a pretty good player. So I don't know why they declined his option. Um, but, um, you know, there's still reasons for the Cardinals to be excited. Um, they got some good players. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt still, you know, very good player. He's not maybe not quite as good as he was with the Diamondbacks, but he's very good. Uh, Jack Flaherty has been, you know, a very solid pitcher, um, especially in 2019. 2020, maybe not quite as good, but he was still good. Paul DeYoung's a really solid shortstop. Um you know, they've got some good pieces in the outfield. Harrison Bader, you know, is a young guy who's been a really great defensive outfielder. You know, he needs to work on his bat a little bit. But um, there's some excitement talent there. Uh, can't forget Dylan Carlson as well, the young outfielder. Um, you know, he came in and, and played really well um, for them down the stretch, you know, as a rookie. That wasn't expected to be in the big leagues this year. So they, they got some good pieces going forward here. Uh, a couple good bullpen pieces too, young guys. So, um so you know this is a pretty good team right now. Yeah, they're they're a good team. Um, you know, I just don't think they're a team that's going to be much more than you know. I mean, in this week, probably division you can battle for the division, but I mean, most likely going to be close to 500 baseball. Yeah. Um, or or I maybe agree. you know just a couple games over. This none no, none of these teams in this division really strike fear into many teams in the National League. You know, they're going to be teams that are going to be solid, but are they going to be great? Not not likely, and, and the Cardinals kind of just fall in that way. Um, you know, they need a second baseman after letting Colton Wong go. You can use a third baseman because Matt Carpenter really just isn't your guy anymore over there. Um, you can use a catcher if you use Yadier Molina, or if you lose him, I should say. Uh, you know, also losing Matt Wieters, so that's your two catchers that were up in your major league roster this last year. Um you don't really have much of a prospect. I mean, I think you have Andrew Kisner, but they, they you know, they did trade Carson Kelly in that deal for Paul Goldschmidt a couple years ago, who was considered their top catching prospect at the time. Um, you know, and then they can use pitching. I mean, we talked about Jack Flaherty, but what else do they really have behind him? You know, is Ponce de Leon going to really figure it out? Is yeah. Dakota Hudson, Hudson going to continue, you know, his turnaround he had this year? Kim, I mean, he's was what I think he's kind of a yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a mid rotation at best. Yeah. You know. yeah, Alex Reyes. I mean, is he ever going to be healthy? I mean, they have the legitimate question marks um, around the starting pitching staff outside of Jack Flaherty. So, but uh, let's go ahead and jump yeah. to our next team. Well, I was, was, uh, was going to mention. I was going to mention real quick on the Cardinals. I think they're the opposite situation of the Cubs, and, and maybe they're what the Cubs look like they would become if they do a trade one, extend one, let one walk type thing. Cause I think the Cardinals are kind of mired in 500 ball. I don't think they're, I think they got enough money tied up where they're, it's hard for them to go make a big splash in free agency. They've got enough, uh, they've got a good enough team to where they're, you know, kind of a 500 ish team. They got some good players, but they've got pretty big holes in their roster. And, but they don't really have anything that's, you know, a huge trade, you know, a, a huge trade value. Um, and then you look at their, um, you know, you look at their, um, their draft picks. I mean, it's not like they're tanking and going to get some number one draft picks. They're just kind of a middle of the road team that you could see them winning this week division maybe, but 
just because the division's weak. I don't think they're really a World Series contender at all. So. Right. Well, uh, let's now jump on to our next team in the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. Um, that finished 31 and 29 this past year. Um, you know, they've been a hot conversation topic for this podcast over the last you know month or so since the season really ended. Um, with talking about trading, you know, potentially trading Sonny Gray and and being in on the shortstop and trading Rossiel and Glacius and stuff. But, you know, they, they lost the Cy Young this year. I mean, they've lost Trevor Bauer, who most likely looks like he will not be back. You know, they non-tendered Archie Bradley and Brian Goodwin, um, traded Rossiel and Glacius like we talked about, lost another rotation member in Anthony DiSclefani, who's already signed with the Giants, um, you know, lost their starting shortstop from this year, Freddie Galvis. This is a team that just, I mean, Another one of those that, I mean, they have some pieces. They got a, a couple solid core pieces, but just a lot more question marks than, you know, some other teams going around. Yeah, um, I mean, you look at if they had kept Archie Bradley and Russell Iglesias, they have somebody that looks like he's going to be pretty good and uh, Lucas Sims out of the bullpen. That looks like it could have been a really good bullpen, but they non-tendered Archie Bradley for some reason. And they traded Rizal Iglesias for some reason. So um, I didn't really understand those two moves all that much. Um, it, you know, uh, they could have still had a pretty good rotation because they have Luis Castillo, who I think is one of the best pitchers in the National League. Then they have Sonny Gray, even, you know, assuming that they don't trade him, which is a possibility at this point, um, who's one of the best pitchers in the National League. They got a lot of guys out there who you know, are pretty good players that just kind of had a down season in their, in their, in their, uh, COVID year. I mean, Eugenio Suarez is a year removed from being a fantastic third baseman. And, you know, he just had a little bit of a down year in the COVID year. Yeah. Jesse Winker's a solid, solid hitter. Uh, you know, he's not the best defensive player, but, you know, you throw him in a corner, um, you know, he's not too bad. I mean, Nick Castellanos, I mean, he, he's a year removed from being a, star level player with the Cubs and you know he's not obviously also not the best fielder but you throw him in the other corner and you're probably fine there look at Mike Moustakas battled some injuries uh you know they've got that um uh Akiyama um you know wasn't too bad this year Tucker Barnhart's a really good defensive catcher uh you mentioned before the show Tyler Stevenson's another guy that they're gonna have uh you know start to, to you know get some time and everything and you can't forget Nick Sinzel, who was a top prospect who, you know, he needs to be healthy. Um, so the Reds need, uh, they need to, I mean, if they're going to go for it, they need to replace their bullpen arms that they got rid of, which they didn't need to get rid of, but they did. Uh, they need to add another starter. I like Tyler Molly, the the number three guy now with, with Bauer gone, but, uh, you know, I think they'll probably add another, they probably need to add a, another guy because I don't know if he's somebody you want to, Really rely on. We talked about shortstop. They were in some of those trade talks with maybe Carlos Correa or Lindor or something. But I could, I would be surprised if they made a big move with the with how their off season has gone so far. But you know, the biggest thing I think is just bounce backs. Like like I say, Suarez, Votto, Castellanos, Mustakas. They just need a couple of these guys to bounce back to their normal form. I don't know if Votto you'll ever see the form that he was in in his prime, but you know, Suarez for sure could bounce back and Castellanos could bounce back to his, you know, really good form. Um, and Mustakas with health could be,
be a solid player for them. And, um, you know, they need a couple of their young guys and specifically Nick Senzel to, to get healthy and, and improve because he's battled injuries his whole career. But, you know, he also was pretty healthy this year and didn't really do too much. So um, this is a team that I think that really didn't need too, too much to be a contender, at least for the division this year. But they seem to have hurt themselves a lot by trading away guys for no reason and non-tendering guys for no reason. So I'm a little confused as to what the Reds are doing. But, you know, we'll see. So, yeah, I mean. We're, we're confused by what a lot of teams are doing, but it's yeah. and, you know, it seems like they really underperformed what they were supposed to be this year. I mean, if you have that top three with Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, and, and Luis Castillo, you think you should win more than 31 games, even in this shortened season. Um, you know, with, especially bringing in Nick Castellanos and Shogo Akiyama this last year, you just expected this team as a whole to be better um, this past season, and they just weren't. Yeah. Uh, you know, they can use. All the starting pitching and bullpen. I mean, both both of those we've talked about over and over with this team. Um, we've talked about them being in the shortstop market. You need to bounce back from guys like Mike Mustakis as well. Um, you know, who he was more injury related this year, but even then he didn't perform that well when he was, um, you know, when he was healthy for the short amount of time. Yeah, and and not to mention the fact that you know. Uh, this was a 60 game season and I feel like the Reds were really starting to click a little bit in the last couple weeks. And I think they might've been the team hurt most by playing the shortened season, because if, if they played, I think they, I think they would have won the division in a landslide if they had played a full season. I mean, with that rotation and everything. And I think that they probably would have gotten some of their offensive guys going because um, their season, they're, they're, with their offense, things were about as poor as they could possibly have been this year, and they were two games over 500. So I, I really think if you look at the Reds as a whole, they could have been a lot better. They could have turned out a lot better than they ended up being, um, you know, if they played a full season. But um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I feel like they're they're a little bit too quick to break this core up, which it looks like what, is what they're trying to do. So. But, uh, but, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, we're going to look at another team here in a second that is maybe maybe a little bit similar. Um, maybe they're a little bit more like the Cardinals. I don't know. The Brewers um, went 29 and 31. Uh, they did make the playoffs with a losing record uh, with the expanded playoffs, but they lost in the wild card round to the Dodgers. And it wasn't pretty. So, um, well, it might have been pretty for, for Damian, but it wasn't pretty for most of us who were – pretty not caring who which team won so um so yeah who did they lose damien you know they really didn't lose much um ryan braun is part the biggest name who's been a you know franchise cornerstone for them um the past couple of years but even his productions you know tailed off from what you know his you can put in air quotes mvp type season was you can say whatever you want about that uh, that kept got robbed uh but brett anderson alex claudio eric sogard um, Jed Jerko, you know, none of those guys you're going to look, I mean, they've all been guys who have been pretty bad teams throughout their career, just not not major league, you know, regular players, and they were playing major league regular minutes, or not minutes, um, innings for these guys, um, for this team. Uh, so, you know, Alex Claudio's already, uh, he got signed with the Angels, I believe. Um, but none of these guys you'll expect to see on major league deals. Maybe Brett Anderson gets one with, like, a bad team, like the Mariners or something. But most likely you're going to see these guys on minor league deals 
uh, and if Ryan Braun, if he even comes back um, to play, he might retire as well. But it's just not not a team that I mean they didn't lose much talent over there. Um, you know their core is, is pretty well intact. They just have to build around that. You know they have Christian Yelich, who's one of the best players in baseball and an MVP. Um, you know Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, who both looked like Cy Young candidates this year at times. Uh, Lorenzo Cain, who's been a champion before and, and just solid. I mean, he's in his second stint with Milwaukee, but you know he, he's not the player he once was, but he's still a solid major league player, and a, especially a clubhouse guy, a veteran for that team, that, so he can show them how to win. Um, you know, you got Josh Hader, who's dominant, lights out out of the bullpen, put Devin Williams right along with him, and you have one of the best dubos of any bullpens in the major league. Um, you know, and then you got Keston Hira, who's another young guy, uh, young guy, uh, more fit for the DH, but will most likely have to play second base this year because we're not expecting the DH in the National League. But, uh, you know, they got to figure out what they can do with this rotation, uh, you know, behind Born, uh, Burns and Woodruff and, and just get some other guys, you know, maybe another outfielder and, and some middle infielders to help this team really, uh, you know, really push to, to what they can achieve. Yeah, I mean, the Brewers are a team that has – I think Woodruff and Burns going into this coming up year might be the best duo of starting pitchers in, in the National League. I mean, I, mm. you know, it, you could make an argument for it because they were both mm. extremely good this past year. Both of them were. Um, Kershaw, Walker, Bueller, just saying. I, but, I mean, they were both – Walker, Bueller, and Kershaw are both really good, but I don't know. Woodruff and Burns were both – you know, if they played full seasons and didn't get injured, you know, we're right up there. Um, but, you you know, Yelich needs to bounce back, obviously. He had probably the worst year of his career this past year. Um, and, you know, they got two good pieces in their bullpen, and they got, you know, a couple other pieces in their lineup. And they just need... They need to add a little bit to their to their lineup, though, and and their and their starting pitcher. They need one more starting pitcher to be a consistent starting pitcher. You know, be there every five days. Because right now they've really only got two guys, uh, so they need to just add one. Uh, bullpen arms. They could add one or two kind of depth bullpen arms, I think. Uh, but they need you know they need another big hitter. I mean, they got first baseman, third baseman. You know, like you mentioned, outfielder replace Braun. They need something, and. Um, I think the biggest thing for their offense is going to be for Hira to develop because his rookie year, he was really good, but he also had a really high strikeout rate and a high BABIP that seemed to mean that he might fall off a little bit. And then he did fall off. And I think it's, you know, his numbers got worse this year, just in the way he was hitting the ball too. So, you know, he needs to develop a little bit. He's got obvious talent. I like him. I think he's going to be a good player. Uh, but they need to develop him, and um, you know, I, this is a team that has the the top end talent to compete with, you know, most teams in the National League. I don't know if they're quite as talented as the Braves, Dodgers, maybe, you know, maybe the Mets if they make a couple of these big signings that people are talking about them trying to make. I mean, but I definitely think they're. I think they have the best top end talent of anybody in this division depending on what the Cubs do with their guys. But, you know, they really have no depth behind their top five or six players. <laughs> like, they just, they've got, like, five really, really good players, and they have nobody else. So um, that's what scares you about the Brewers. Um, 
But this could be a scary team if they just add a couple more pieces, and we'll see if they are able to do that this offseason. They've been a pretty aggressive team over the past few years. Yeah, I mean they have been, um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see if you know maybe if this year hurt their financial capabilities at all. Um, yep, that's a hundred percent true, true as well. But they're definitely a team that you know I've always looked at a guy like maybe Jay Godorizzi as being a really good fit here. He's not going to command yeah. too much money, um, and he he could be a solid three or four um, for you. They might they really need a left-handed pitcher. Um, you know, Brent Suter just isn't going to do it for them. So if maybe there's a, yeah. a solid left-handed starter out there, maybe even via the trade market that you can get, um, I, I think that would be a big help yeah. to them. Just, yeah, it, it just two right-handers right now. And just the fact that just adding, even if it is Odorizzi, another right-hander, just adding another guy. I mean, it, they need. I mean, I'm sure that they probably will bring somebody up in spring training or whenever that figures it out enough to be the number five. Maybe it is Brent Suter. It's the number five. Like. Add a guy who is a consistently pretty good pitcher like Odorizzi, and you know you've got Woodruff and Burns who are both extremely good, and then you have Odorizzi in there who's pretty good, and that's a pretty good three-headed monster right there. And then you add in the fact that you know you add in how good their bullpen can be with Williams and Hader, and you know you got a pretty good pitching core right there. You know maybe you have a couple of guys step up in the, out of the bullpen depth-wise, but. I, you know, this is a team that I think it's a lot easier to figure out their pitching than their lineup. But you never know. The, the, the spots that they need help in their lineup are spots that you can find guys. Left field, first base. You know, those are spots where there's usually a lot of guys on the market and you can find somebody, <clears throat> Jesus Aguilar, who could fill that role. Mm. So, first base. But, um, you know, they obviously just decided to let him go last year. Mm-hmm. So. And then he ended up in the playoffs as a higher seed than the Brewers. He ended up winning a playoff series, and the Brewers didn't. So, um, so yeah, Dan but – Or Dan Vogelbach. Yeah, even though I don't know if Dan Vogelbach – I gave him a yeah. shot. He didn't exactly look too good. But um, <laughs> So, yeah. um, I mean, not that he's ever looked good. He's hit well, but he's never looked good. I mean, right. that's mean. I, I don't mean that. Right. Just yeah. gotta have some love for the thick boys, but uh, yeah. so, I mean, three feeds <laughs> on that thick man. I don't, yeah, yeah. that came out wrong too. No yeah. homo, but um, so the uh, the the last place team in the central this year was uh, we talked about them a, a little bit, uh, but uh, oh boy, it's the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, <laughs> they were 19, bad. Yeah, nineteen forty one this year. Um, you know, we've talked about the trade of Josh Bell. Um, Chris Archer, he's a guy who they traded, you know, Tyler Glass now, Austin Meadows, and Shane Baz for. That looks like it's a very bad trade now. Um, Keone Kayla was it looks like it best. is now. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, one of you know one of their best relief pitchers um, this past year. Um, Trevor Williams, who's been a solid starting pitcher for them for the past, I mean, three or four years, um, just always seems to be in that rotation. Does solid, um, you know, decent major league guy. You know, their core is kind of questionable right now. I mean, with the team so bad, they're in the full-on rebuild. You know, who knows? I mean, Jamison Tyone, who was a former number one overall pick for them, I think he was number one overall, wasn't he? I well. don't think so, but he was picked pretty high. Let's um, see, I want to look this up now. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of number one overall picks, um, they have the number one overall pick this coming up year. Um, so that's another... You could almost call he was the second overall pick. Yeah, um, Harper. Yeah, 
So yeah, but Manny Machado. Oh, think about that. Yeah, that's three pretty good players right there. Um, but if you look at who the 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 core is for the Pirates, you got Tyon. Obviously, you could all you could honestly just go ahead and add in. They have the number one pick in the draft, so just just say Kumar Rocker is going to be part of their core. Um, <laughs> but uh, they have Brian Reynolds, who's been a pretty useful major leaguer. Um, Brian Hayes has shown a lot of potential. Um, you know, we talked about him a lot at the end of the season with a really nice stretch he went on there. Uh, Colin Moran's been a pretty solid player for them. I don't know if he would be a core piece on a really good team, but, you know, he's a guy who maybe, you know, is a part of a, a potential two or three years from now Pirates team that could contend a little bit. Um, their biggest needs are draft good, which, you know, they got the number one overall pick, and we're pretty sure we know who it's going to be. Um, so and I think that would be a good draft pick. Um, they just need more MLB talent. They have six top one. Well, at the mid seasons this past year, they had six top 100 players. Uh, but I think Brian Hayes has graduated from the list now. So that would give them five top 100 players. Of course, you will then add a guy who's the number one overall pick to that. Um, so, uh, they've got some good, you know, good talent in their farm. Um, it would look a lot better if they had, you know, or they would look a lot better as a team if they had Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows and Shane Bass still. But, um, you know, they're things are looking up. I mean, you go through these rebuilds and they've got a few pieces that look like they're going to be potential good pieces in the future. And then, you know, they got a high, they got the number one pick in the draft and they got some pretty good prospects coming up pretty soon. Um, one note on their prospect situation is that um, they need to figure out what the situation is going to be with O'Neill Cruz, who had a very severe legal situation in the off season, but they're going to have to figure out if that's going to work out or not, because it sounds like maybe, you know, it's going to end up being okay for him, but he got arrested for, I believe it was a vehicular manslaughter, but they're, the belief is that he's probably going to be, the charges are probably going to be dropped. And it was, he was not, under the influence as they had previously thought he might be. So yeah, it, was, um, it was, it was a accident that happened. I believe it was in Puerto Rico, um, a motorcycle accident that in, ended up killing three people, um, unfortunately. And, you know, the, he, they thought at the time that he was under the influence of, you know, alcohol or drugs, but that's come out that that's not technically the case. And that, you know, when his hearing happened no charges were filed against him no charges were brought against him um so ben Sherrington has said that it seems like a, a non-issue right now and that they that was i mean that was back in october november yeah. and we haven't heard anything since so you know it looks i mean we don't want to say it looks good for him because you know it was still a tragedy that happened and three people still did lose their lives but you know it, it doesn't look like he'll be facing any legal issues um coming going forward because of that accident right so we'll um we'll see what turns out but that is one thing because he's he is a top 30 prospect um in on a lot of lists so um for not for the pirates but for baseball overall so um you know that's a pretty big piece for a rebuilding team and you know that's an unfortunate situation we'll have to see you know what the resolution to that is uh going forward which you know it it sounds like it maybe it was an accident it was you know he wasn't doing anything wrong uh, it's still a tragedy obviously but you know if 
I hope that he wasn't doing anything wrong. Uh, but we'll see what the resolution of that is. That's a pretty big piece for them. It's hard. I hate, I hate putting that into just how it yeah. works out in baseball terms. But, you know, that's kind of what we're it, talking about right now. So. Yeah, I mean, it's something that has to be said. Um, we don't want to yeah. say it, but it, it's something that has to be yeah. brought up as to why. Because uh, if, so. if he does face that um, – you know that that's yeah obviously going to hinder the pirates and they've yeah. already faced enough legal issues um that one that one we're not going to talk yeah. about yeah yeah well uh, they've had some real legal issues with um yeah a couple other so, guys yeah. so Felipe Vasquez and uh, uh, uh the uh, shortstop they had what's his name um uh, Young Ho Kim or something yeah 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 <laughs> I don't think it's Young Ho like uh it... like the Falcons kicker but um. <laughs> But yeah, so what is it? you got me wondering now. Oh, what young ho? Well, uh, something else. Um, something. Oh man, it's driving oh, me crazy. Man. Oh, dude, I'm, it's driving me crazy too. Um, oh, we're gonna find this out, and we're not Kong. gonna cut. Young ho Kong. Young Ho Kong. That, I yep. know it was Young Ho something. It's Jung Ho. Jung Ho. Jung it, was Ho pronounced, it was pronounced Jung Ho, not Young Ho. Young Ho's the Falcons kicker. Jung Ho's the... Young, drunk, no, got, drunk, Jung Ho's way. the drunk... It's well, it, I pronounce it Young Ho because that's how it's spelled, and it's funny. Yeah. So, But no, the uh, Jung Ho Kong was the guy. He actually played in 2019 for them, but he's the drunk driver that is actually a drunk driver so yeah. several times but uh, but anyways uh, i believe that's gonna wrap it up for us today yeah that's so. that's pretty much the the last of our episode um it was a jam-packed one we've had um you know for a couple weeks kind of with the slow movement thing but still with this division breakdown um so hopefully um, the market picks up in this next couple weeks we know at least we'll have one signing um, coming up this on next episode. Hopefully, we have you know one of the bigger free agents. I mean, we're still waiting on you know our top fifteen guys that we decided. Yeah. On. We're still waiting on one of those to sign even. Um, but it seems like you know it's just a slow movie market. Um, if yeah. You, if you know, if you listen to what Rachel Luba says, which is Trevor Bauer's agent, she says it's just every every month. It seems like it's the month before. So she's saying like you know. Most of the deals used to happen in like November or December. Well, that's now January and February. Like, yeah. It, so January is the new November and February is the new December. Well, especially um, this year. I mean, with teams aren't yeah. sure what their revenue is going to look like next year. There's a lot of uncertainty on how quickly things will progress on the you know the pandemic front. So, uh, well, you know, and that's going to have so much to do with the revenue this year. Yeah, so. and how much money is out there on the market for these players? You know, a yeah. lot of players. You you gotta kind of feel bad for these players because this is where they go and get their one big payday, and now teams are even more worried about spending money this year. Um, yeah. So we'll see what that is. Um, but we want to again reiterate that our episodes will now be coming out on Tuesday nights. Um, so the next time you guys will get an episode from us will be the fifth of January. Um, that will be the next episode for us. Um, as always, if you guys have any questions or, or anything you want to follow us a little bit more, our Twitter page is the Batflip Podcast. Uh, mine's the Real D Boy Twelve. Uh, yours is Matt, at Matt Arcara, right? Yep, that's it. Um, so. so, if you guys want to follow us there, that any questions, anything, any feedback, we're always open to it. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode, and we will catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.